Daniel, if you know where the book of Daniel is, and then you'll see Daniel, and then Hosea, and then Joel, and then Amos. Amos chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, very simple verses of Scripture with a rather profound meaning. It says, Then he showed me, and behold, the Lord was standing by a vertical wall with a plumb line in his hand. The Lord said to me, What do you see, Amos? And I said, A plumb line. Then the Lord said, Behold, I am about to put a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. Now, plumb line, uh, for those of you who might not know, is just a simple tool used to test whether or not a wall was straight. It, it consisted of, of, a, of a piece of string with a weight attached to the end of it. And when the weight attached to that string, and it's still true today, you put a weight on a string and you can hold it out like this, and the, and the weight will fall straight down. It'll always be straight. If I hold it down by my side, it'll fall straight down. If I put my arm up like this as an angle, the line will always be straight because that's just the law of gravity, and that line is always going to be straight. And it'll, it, it still is today a tool that can be used to measure whether something is plumb, whether something is, is straight. So <clears throat> very simple. Now, the plumb line became the standard in that day for determining whether a wall was straight. You and I are living in a crooked world. And because of it, the people who live in our world have a hard time determining what is straight from crooked. And that means from time to time, you and I have a hard time knowing that about our own lives. There was a time when, when most of us uh, had a very clear understanding of what was right and wrong. And I'm talking about in our country and in our culture. Uh, the standard was clear, uh, whether that was at home or at church or at school, because that plumb line, that standard was constantly dropped alongside our lives. But today, today, the very standard is questioned. And so people say, uh, there can't be something wrong with me. It must be the standard that's crooked. So we no longer drop the plumb line alongside our world and its values. Now here Amos had this vision of, of God standing by a vertical wall with a plumb line in his hand. What was God doing? He was measuring the wall against the standard. The builders claimed the wall was straight, but when God put the standard alongside the wall, the truth was quickly revealed. Now you see the first of many questions that I'm going to ask this morning to help us understand this scripture. First, what is God's plumb line? That's a very simple answer to that, and that is the plumb line of God is His standard. It is the standard that God uses to measure our lives. Your life will be measured by that standard, and so will my life. Because we live in a crooked world, we, uh, with a blurred sense of right and wrong, we avoid anyone or anything that will make us feel crooked because it's much more comfortable for us 
to measure our lives by the crooked standards of our world. When our, li- when our crooked lives are brought along the, uh, the, the even more crooked standards of the world, then it seems to us, those of us in the church I'm talking about today, it seems to us that our lives are straighter than they are because we are measuring our lives by the wrong standard. There was a man in the Bible who was very rich and very successful by the standards of his day. He's found in the book of Daniel. I won't ask you to turn there, but I'll just remind you about him. His name was Belshazzar, uh, and he was king of one of the greatest kingdoms on earth, the great empire of Babylon. And the Bible says that one night he held a great feast uh, for a thousand of his crooked nobles. And the king was feeling that he was more noble than them all until he suddenly found out that he'd been measuring his life by the wrong standard. The Bible says that they brought out the gold vessels that had been taken out of the temple, the house of God which was in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines drank from them. They drank the wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Suddenly, the fingers of a man's hand emerged and began writing opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace, and the king saw the back of the hand that did the writing. And the Bible says, the king's face grew pale, and his thoughts alarmed him, and his hip joints went slack, and his knees began knocking together. At first, nobody had a clue about what the hand had written And then Daniel was called in to share uh, with the king this word from God because that was God's hand. And this is what the message said, the handwriting on the wall. You have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. That's just another way of saying your life does not measure up to God's standard. And God told that king this very night you will lose your life and your kingdom. God still has a standard by which He measures the lives of men, women, boys, and girls. You may live a life as straight as Johnny, but if Johnny's life is crooked in the sight of God, where does that leave you? Paul wrote an interesting little blurb to the church at Corinth. Uh, You know, in the New Testament, part of the New Testament is just letters some of them letters from Paul, some of them letters from Jesus, and we'll talk about that a little bit in in just a minute. But Paul wrote to the church at Corinth and gave them this warning. He said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, the second part of that verse, he said, But when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are without understanding. You know, I can look at some people and say, Uh, Upside of them, i got a lot of hair. I can always find somebody that's got less hair than me. It's getting harder and harder. But I can always find somebody that has less hair than me. And I can always find somebody that's living a more crooked life than I am. And if I measure my life by their crooked life, I don't see much wrong with me. But their crooked life is not the standard. No person is here No person in here is the standard by which I ought to be judging my life. No person in this world. God is the one who has the standard. Now, the second question 
Why would God put a plumb line in the midst of His people? Why not just drop it out there in the world somewhere? Why not show the world how crooked they are? Why would God drop a plumb line in the midst of His people? Well, God said to Amos, I'm about to put a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. But then He adds a phrase to that. And, and he says, and it should have caused them to shudder. He said, I'm going to put this plumb line in the midst of my people and I will spare them no longer. Not the wicked world outside, but his own people. God was going from person to person to drop the standard down beside their lives to see if they measured up. And the Hebrew phrase translated spare them no longer uh, calls us to look backwards in time to that time when the children of Israel were still in Egypt and God was going to deliver them that night when the death angel passed over all of them were to put blood over the doorpost of their house so that when that destroying angel passed by it would pass over them and what God is saying here is this time I'm not going to pass over them Judgment is going to come on my people. I'm not going to spare them any longer. Now, what was God's standard of measure? This is the third question. What was God's standard of measure in the time of Amos? Well, God's standard of measure was, it, was His Word. He would bring His Word alongside their lives, and they would be measured by His Word. So let's drop that same standard into the sanctuary here this morning. Let's drop that simple standard alongside our lives. You shall have no other gods before me. That simple standard was one of the plumb lines that God dropped alongside their life. We just saw that illustrated this morning, a crude illustration, I know, but God still drops that standard alongside our lives. He says, you shall not make for yourself an idol nor any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath in the or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. And I'm simply reading from the Ten Commandments. Next, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished, who takes his name in vain. God still drops that standard, that plumb line in the midst of his people. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. doesn't look too holy in our church every Sunday when we meet. Oh, it looks holy on Easter Sunday. The Sabbath day looks holy, but it doesn't look very holy. It doesn't look like God's people are doing a very good job of remembering the Sabbath day to keep it holy. God still drops that standard alongside our lives honor your father and mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the lord your god gives you you shall not murder you shall not commit adultery you shall not steal you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor and you shouldn't want your neighbor's income you shouldn't want your neighbor's house you shouldn't want your neighbor's car you shouldn't want your neighbor's wife you shouldn't wish you had anything that was your neighbor's you shall not covet that's the last one, and that's the one that Paul said. I figured I could keep them all. I could check them all off my list until I got to that one because that one looked straight at my heart, and when God hung that one down beside my heart, I saw what a crooked man that I was. When God first issued 
those standards to his people, he did so accompanied by, you know, it wasn't just he said, here, here's this, here's this rock with these writings on it, and I want you to keep these. It, that's not the way it happened. That's not the way it happened at all. It was accompanied by thunder and lightning and an earthquake and the voice of God booming forth. And they feared the Lord. And they lived by that standard. But when people no longer fear the Lord, it doesn't bother them when God drops that standard alongside their lives. But God told Amos, I'm bringing a plumb line. I'm going to drop it in the midst of my people. And when I drop my plumb line alongside their lives, they will see how very crooked they are. Now, next question. What is the standard by which God measures today? Are you telling us, Brother Eddie, that we don't have to live by the Ten Commandments anymore? No, I'm not telling you that at all. I'm telling you God's Word is still His standard, but in a very different way. When God desires to bring revival to a church or to an individual, He still drops His standard alongside that person in that church and shows them the truth about their lives. God still does that today. We may not hear that announcement. We may not see it in the same way, but that's exactly what happens. God brings His standard alongside our lives. God's Word is still His standard by which He judges men. Only one thing has changed. The Word that was written in stone became flesh and walked among us in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ walked in a crooked world among crooked men and he exposed sin by his very presence. We need to heed the word spoken by God to his people in the Old Testament. This was an Old Testament message to the children of Israel in the wilderness. To them in the wilderness, he spoke to them and he said this, To them then, since he walks in the midst of your camp, your camp must be holy. He must not see anything indecent among you or He will turn away from you. Since He walks in your midst, the very plumb line of God, the standard of God comes alongside our lives every time we gather here. Should God put your life in the balances today alongside uh, Jesus Christ as the standard, you and I would see the handwriting on the wall about our lives. And so if you don't, if you look at your life and you measure your life by me, you're measuring your life by the wrong standard. If you measure your life by the guy you work with, you're measuring your life by the wrong standard. If you measure your life by the person at school who you say, well, they don't, they don't go to church, they talk ugly, they do this and they do that and they do the other, you're measuring your life by the wrong standard. Your life and my life are to be brought alongside the spotless purity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what happened to that king in the Old Testament when God brought the standard alongside his life? The Bible says that his face grew pale, his thoughts alarmed him, his hip joints went slack, and his knees began to knock together. You say, that sounds a lot like Judgment Day. A noted revival expert historian, a historian who's now gone on to be with the Lord, J. Edwin Orr, said revival is like Judgment Day. Revival is God dropping His plumb line 
alongside your life and showing you how crooked you are and what needs to change. We have illustrations of that in the, in, in the Bible, in the Old Testament. That happened to Isaiah when he was in the temple. I suppose he'd been to the temple a lot of times. But this particular time in the temple, he said, I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord. And when Isaiah saw the Lord, he said, not hallelujah, by the way. He didn't raise his hands. He said, woe is me, for I am I'm ruined. I dwell in a people of unclean lips, and I'm a man of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. When you see the King, he's the plumb line. And the King I'm talking about is the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm not talking about seeing him visibly. I'm talking about that spiritual experience when you sense that He is drawing near you and taking a measure of your life against His spotless purity. The fear of the Lord overcomes you and brokenness grips your heart as God calls you personally to repent. And Isaiah, um, I'm sorry, Malachi chapter 3, verses 5 through 7, and I didn't throw all these verses on the screen. If you'd like to open your Bible there, Malachi chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. This is what God said to His people. And sometimes these can be scary verses. He says, I will draw near to you. That's a good thing when God draws near, isn't it? For judgment. That's the next word. I will draw near to you for judgment. And I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers and against the adulterers and against those who swear falsely and against those who oppress the wage earner in his wages, the widow and the orphan, and those who turn aside the alien, and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts, to truly stand in the Lord's presence. When that time comes, and that time will come for everybody, everybody, everybody on the planet, it'll be one of the most heart-wrenching, soul-crushing experiences of your life. It is to be weighed in the balances. It is to be measured by the plumb line of God. In the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel expressed it this way in Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 31 and 2. Uh, then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good, and you will loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and abominations. Be ashamed and confounded for your ways. There is an element of judgment and true revival. God will isolate you. God will identify your personal sins he will show you your life as He sees it, and He will call you to repentance. You have never seen your life the way God sees it until He shows you your life against His standard. Now, the next question. As we stand against God's plumb line, what are our options? He says, I'm going to drop my plumb line down in the midst of my people. What then? I mean, is that the end? Is that, is that it? Well, when God drops his plumb line alongside your life, you have two options. 
You have that the options are revival or judgment, repent or perish. In terms of a believer beside whose life God drops his plumb line, that's also true. There were seven churches in the book of Revelation. Jesus wrote letters to seven churches. He sent them by John. And he said to six of them, repent or else. Now those aren't words we normally expect to hear out of the mouth of Jesus. But what Jesus did is he went to each of those churches and he dropped his plumb line, the plumb line of his presence into the life of those churches and he said, repent or else. That's the option. I remind you of what Peter said to God's people in the little book of 1 Peter in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17. He said, it is time for judgment to begin. We're going to begin in Congress. We're going to begin in Washington. We're, be we're going to begin in Moscow. We're going to begin in, in one of those places far away where people are wicked. He says, no, it's time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome of those who do not obey the gospel of God? J Jesus said, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. When I drop my plumb line in the midst of my people, my people need to hear me, and the message is always repent or perish. Final question. How will I know that God is dropping His plumb line alongside my life? You say, well, I'm at church today. He must be dropping His plumb line alongside my life. Well, not necessarily. Because in Amos chapter 7, verse 7, the Bible says, Thus he showed me, and behold, the Lord was standing by a vertical wall with a plumb line in his hand. In other words, God will reveal it to you. He'll make it very clear. For Amos, there was no misunderstanding what God was doing. For Isaiah, there was no misunderstanding what God was doing. For six churches in the book of Revelation, there was no misunderstanding what God was doing. He made his message clear. It'll be unmistakable. God will show you. In Malachi, God said, I will, be, I will draw near to you for judgment, and I will be a swift witness against whatever is crooked in your life. You'll know that you're being weighed in the balances. You'll know that you're being measured against the standard of God, and you will know exactly what God wants you to do. It's better to see yourself as God sees you now. I would certainly like to know that now. I don't want to wait till final judgment to hear what God thinks of me. I'd rather he drop his plumb line alongside my life today and say, boy, old man, straighten up or else.